Hey listeners, please support the Business of Pharmacy podcast by checking out our sponsors at bizofpharmpod.com. That link is in the description. You're listening to the Business of Pharmacy podcast with me, your host, Mike Kelzer. Stephen and Adam, for those that haven't come across you online, introduce yourself and tell our listeners what we're talking about today. I'm Stephen Seward, and I am with Big Tree Consulting, which is a partnership company between Big Tree Medical and the Waypoint Company. And I am the director of clinic growth and marketing. I'm Adam Wheeler. I'm a pediatrician, and I'm the CEO of Big Tree Medical. And what we're talking about today is uh, a newer idea for us, um, which is to to marry a direct primary care clinic and a membership to a pharmacy as kind of a way to help the independent pharmacist survive the onslaught of the pharmacy benefit managers and to kind of get in on the front end of the, the direct primary care wave that's uh, getting ready to start sweeping the country. So guys, Big Tree Medical, what is that? I know that it has a few different names, should I say? So there's Big Tree Medical and Big Tree maybe Consulting or whatever. Spread that out a little bit for me. Yeah, so history is usually the easiest way to understand how things evolve. And so I'm a doctor, and we started a direct primary care clinic in Columbia, Missouri about almost six years ago. What does that mean, direct primary care? Yeah, good question. That's some lingo. So direct primary care is I serve patients, not insurance companies. So I have a direct relationship with my patients in that they're directly paying me. Sometimes I work directly with an employer, so they're paying me directly. And then typically with direct primary care relationships, there's a monthly fee. For us, it's $59 a month. And then the patients get unlimited care at our primary care clinic. How many of those then do you have? You have more than one? Yeah, so we have about five in the state. Um, mostly centered in mid-Missouri, and we serve about 6,000 patients. Then when COVID hit um, and we, you know, virtual stuff became reality, we said, well, what if we opened up our platform to allow um, other providers throughout the country to use our platform? So we have about 30 providers in about 42 states who are practicing on our platform right now. How do they define themselves, those 30? Is it, do they say we're part of Big Tree or we buy Big Tree software or we did a Big Tree franchise? How do they describe themselves? A lot of them are in corporate practice of medicine states, which kind of defines how they run. So they're not actually a franchise legally, but there's a bit of that feel to it. So we take a percentage of revenue um, as, you know, to run the software, advertising, website. And then their job is to um, take care of patients. So they all have virtual only clinics. And for a lot of them, it's a side hustle. So they have 20 or 200 patients um, that may be part or all of their job. They have a few people that are semi-retired. And then they're just on call for their patients all the time. Are there certain rules where they maybe can't practice across state lines and so on? Yeah. So it all depends on where you have a state medical license. And, you know, 
So some provider may have patients in 15 states um, or they may have one. Some of them are doing it as a part of the physical clinic that they own. And some of them, this is the only thing they're doing. So it's a, it's virtual only. So we can't do everything, but we can do a lot. And we do a lot of uh, mental health. We do a lot of medical weight loss. Um, the main restrictions are on controlled meds, of course. And then um, you can't really bill Medicare, uh, but we're doing it for cash. So we don't, we don't care about Medicare. When I picture online, I'm picturing there's no way to hit the front of their knee, right? There's no way to hit the front of the knee. So that precludes some of that stuff that I imagine. Yeah, so usually in our hands, about 80% of um, conditions that are cared for primary care can be taken care of on video. And, you know, if, if I don't know how your community is, but in our community, it's a few weeks to a few months wait for a primary care visit. All of my people see patients same day. So, you know, there are times that our patients need to go to urgent care because I can't examine a belly to see if they have appendicitis unless, you know, I touch them. But, you know, when I was in a traditional primary care practice, they send patients to urgent care every day because they can't get them in. So we end up using the urgent care as a helper less often than traditional primary care. Stephen, your pharmacy, where do you fall into this? So I'm a new grad and basically I met with Ben through a group called Medipreneurs and kind of explain this idea that I had. And let me jump in a second. Ben is with Ben Coakley. He's with Waypoint, and they've got a few different industries they're helping out. One of them is pharmacy. How did you meet up with Ben? So I met up with Ben through the Medipreneur Connections. So from my university, I reached out to our, I was talking to our dean about an idea that I had, uh, Dr. Tracy Hageman, and she was friends with the Medipreneurs Dr. Frisk, Michelle Frisk. And I talked with her and she said, you have to meet Ben. And so I talked to Ben and that led me here. And so Ben and Adam got together and Ben pitched having me join the team. And my whole thing is really helping this expand. So mine is going to talk to the pharmacist, be their first contact and then get them started. And since I do have a pharmacy background, I'm pretty familiar with it. I am young, I am new out in the world, but you know, when you're, when you're there, it's, it's pretty easy to see when you're in a pharmacy that's just getting swamped and the quality of life isn't there, nobody wants to be there. And when you don't, when you're not your best in healthcare, you can't provide the best care. So by increasing the quality of life in our pharmacies and our primary care doctors, because they need help too with this, they're getting swamped. It's a, it's a numbers game, it's not a quality game. If you increase their quality of life, you increase their joy in working, and you can also increase patient care and outcomes. So let me get this straight, Stephen. Are we still talking virtual, or is this something physical getting big tree into the physical pharmacy. It is. Oh, it, it is. is. Yes. So they'll, we like to put the NP in there. And like Adam was talking about with the corporate practice of medicine laws, that's where it gets a little tricky 
on how we have to go about doing that. We work on that every day, or I work on it definitely every day too. Adam puts a ton of work into it. The corporate practice of medicine law, what is that? So corporate practice of medicine laws, or we often call them CPM, is present in just over half of states. And it basically states that a for-profit company cannot own a clinic. So it has to be owned and operated by a physician. Are they saying physicians don't make a profit or are they saying they make it, but they're also physicians? They're saying they make it, but they're also doctors. And so that theoretically um, keeps people from being um, selfish. But you know how that works. Selfish, you mean if you're not a doctor, it might be all business without that medical intervention. So this at least marries the two of them in theory. In theory. Right. Gotcha. So, you know, what we've seen, what I've seen personally is all of these independent pharmacists who are getting destroyed. And I'm like, what if we put a clinic inside their pharmacy um, and have a you know, nurse practitioner, a physician assistant um, based clinic doing direct primary care and then sell a combined membership between the pharmacy and the direct primary care clinic so that the pharmacists have a better revenue stream and then we can leverage the relationships that the pharmacist have to help build the medical practice. And my goal was to have it owned by the pharmacy. Um, and that's available in some states, uh, Florida, Missouri, for example, we can do that. Other states like North Carolina, um, we can't do that. And so we have to come up with some, you know, solutions that satisfy the lawyers. Um, but we're, you know, that's, that's been done. So it allows us to have kind of this joint operation between a clinic and the pharmacy. I'm just guessing that's something with a few more layers in it, like the the physician is leasing space and then the pharmacy is getting something f from that and so on. Just a few more layers that makes it legal. Yeah, there's a few more layers. Um, certainly part of it is this is a facility owned by the pharmacist. Mm. So... They're leasing space from the pharmacist. And then there's the element of the joint membership. So, you know, the pharmacists are getting a, a cash flow stream that has about a 25% net profit. This works for all states, even the ones that have that law? So every state is different. So that concept, um, according to our lawyers, should work in all states. But gotcha. we're kind of going uh, well, in the beta tester phase now. So we've got a test site in North Carolina, um, and they seem to have one of the more restrictive laws. And so we're finishing off that contract, and then we'll move on to uh, a few others. You might as well start with the one that's toughest, as long as you don't lose your steam kind of thing, you know? Right. It's a good balance. Right. In general, we'll work out the details with the states, but in general, what's the process then? We have a pharmacy as the host, and... They use either some of their excess space. Um, we really just need two 10 by 10 rooms, one of which has a sink. And one is an exam room and one is an office for the team. And then uh, a little area to create a waiting room for, which can be in the pharmacy, in the retail space, the pharmacy. And then that's all we need. So it costs about $17,000 to start a clinic. And then um, we then provide... Um, the the game plan. So doing that through a company called Big Tree Consulting, which is who employs Steven. And 
they basically run the game plan that we have worked out. And that includes the, the software, that includes the, the web integration. Uh, we have a business coach that works with the pharmacist. And then we find a clinical team to work with them. And it's, it's a nice deal for everybody. The pharmacy likes it because they've got a, a steady stream of patients who have a monthly fee. They have really low predictable medical cost. So their generic meds are, um, we usually sell their generic meds at wholesale, like not AWP, like true. Here's what I paid for it. And so they get most of their revenue then from that membership. And so they like it because now they have a super steady revenue stream. And then there's a synergy between the clinic and the pharmacy. You know, some people are coming to the pharmacy and come then to the clinic and some people are coming to the clinic and join the pharmacy. So it's, uh, it's kind of a match made in heaven. It also benefits employers. So we have quite a few employers who are interested in partnering with us as a way to lower medical costs. So there's some pretty good data out there that this model uh, lowers the total cost of healthcare considerably. And, you know, the only person that it hurts are the uh, PPMs and the insurance companies. I don't see any of us losing sleep over that. What do you think are some of the hurdles, the biggest hurdles that you guys have solved with this process versus a pharmacist just doing it on their own? Yeah. I mean, that's a, the conversation I had last night with a, a doctor pharmacist team and they're, you know, we charge a fee um, to, to make this work. The costs that come out before we get to net profit, about 20% of the gross revenue goes to Big Tree Consulting. And then we provide, we provide the intellectual property, which is the game plan that we've figured out that allows somebody who's, you know, anybody can do this on their own. Um, but I've had all these hurdles that I've been jumping over the last five years and I can, I've, that's what we're, we're giving them. And then we do some business coaching and then we set up the web environment that allows everything to work together. So, and that was one of our big hurdles, to be honest, is just setting up a system so that a patient could go from, I want to join a DPC practice to I'm enrolled in a DPC practice. And putting all those pieces together was, you know, has taken a lot of um, trials and failures and consultants that I've had to pay for. <laughs> it seems to me that one of the biggest hurdles for pharmacies who have ideas of doing stuff like let's get into oxygen or let's get into this. It's difficult because you can't dabble in some stuff. You can't dabble in oxygen. You need the certified this and that. You almost have to have like a full-time person before you have any business. When I think of hiring a, a PA or a NP for the pharmacy, it seems to me that we'd have to start way too small and then it's like, hey, this uh, NP is only here for 30 minutes a week kind of thing. What we found is you kind of have to have two pieces. You have to have the clinical team and then you've got to have the, the behind the scenes team. And so the behind the scenes team is actually a big part of the cost. So what we do is scale that on a per patient basis and patients who are enrolled. So if you have one patient, then you end up paying me like, 10 bucks. Okay. So this is not a deal where I charge you 200 grand up front and then 
So it's, it scales with the pharmacy because the big expense is that upfront stuff. But how does the pharmacy grow this? I mean, I'm picturing starting off with, you know, the subscriptions increase, but you can't have, I'm assuming the NP and PA are just not sitting around twiddling their thumbs for, you know, 90% of the week, right? You have a way to to grow that? Yeah, I mean, there is certainly some thumb twiddling um, in that that's, this is the problem in healthcare is how do you start something? And so we've got a pro forma worked out to kind of show them, okay, if we do this growth rate, which is what we've seen, then your maximum that you need to, to lay out is going to be X. And so we almost treat it like some of the franchises who will say, hey, you need to have this much liquid capital. You need to have, you know, this kind of flow. And then, you know, we have found that it's successful in, uh, in the early phase, which is where we're at um, in those contexts. And so usually that we want, you know, if you grow at a pretty typical growth rate that we've seen, you know, you're never out more than about $40,000. So the pharmacy is paying the wage of the PA or the NP? It depends on the state. So in corporate practice of medicine states, it has to be the physician. Um, and so a lot of times, I mean, pharmacists and doctors work together and run in the same social circles enough that people have a friend and they're like, hey, can you be my medical director? They don't actually have to be a primary care physician in that we can hire a collaborating physician through an organization that we worked with, but we just need a doctor who's going to be the medical director of the clinic. As it's growing, symbolically, if the person's twiddling their thumbs, and I just mean that they're not being used at that point, that's a wage that ultimately the pharmacist is paying. That's a paid employee who's not pulling in revenue quite yet. Somebody's paying for it. I imagine that you can sell this program and get this subscription base before you actually have someone sitting in the office. Yeah, to some degree. I mean, it's, you know, we typically like to have about 1,000 to 1,200 patients on each uh, provider's panel. So um, that's a lot higher than some DPC practices, um, but we do it and we have some tricks to allow us to do it, uh, which is part of the secret sauce. But we've got the ability to see that volume of patients. And so, you know, it takes you, let's say it takes you a year to get to that. And let's say break even is close to 500. Before that, you're pay somebody's paying a salary. Um, now, you certainly want to start, start it going before the clinic opens. And so we make a big deal of that on Facebook. And this is part of what we provide is we've got a whole marketing package that you use your pharmacy Facebook page to, to implement. And then um, there's just starting to be a buzz about direct primary care. So we utilize that and say, hey, we're coming to this community. And, you know, the thing that's sweeping the country is now here. The other thing that we found is patients often go to see the clinic because they have a condition that's not being adequately treated by their current healthcare team. 
And so we specifically target mental health and uh, medical weight loss because those areas um, are very, uh, let's just say my, my primary care colleagues are challenged to deal with those areas. And so we've invested quite a bit in creating programs that allow people who aren't even comfortable in those areas to become comfortable. And then, you know, advertising medical weight loss in every community in you know, where I've ever been strikes a nerve and people are like, that's, that's what I'm looking for. And then they joined as a member. It strikes a nerve in a good way. It combines medical and weight loss and people like that when it's available. Well, it strikes a nerve both ways. So uh, people who are struggling with obesity, um, you know, they, they struggle with it. They want to fight that fight. And there are great tools out there now. Um, so, and then there's always a few people in the community that get angry because they think we're trying to, you know, start a, a anorexia, bulimia epidemic. But, um, you know, that, that fuels the fire too. That's cool that you're both filling a hole from a negative side, like the primaries don't have the time and they're overworked and that kind of stuff. But you're also proactively doing stuff that they don't even want to think about because they're so busy, you know, the weight loss and smoking or whatever. All right. So Steven, you come in and Adam gives you this little pitch and he says, all right, now go get us a lot of customers. Uh, kind of. <laughs> uh, no. So because, because of how good Ben is, with his networking and things like that, he and the Waypoint Company, they've been catering to the independent pharmacies for years now. I mean, that those are that's their bread and butter is helping pharmacies. So we're just adding on another solution to further help them, to help them stay in their communities, you know, increase the quality of life for everyone, the patients you know, giving them access that they didn't know they ever needed. So that's that's honestly one of the best things is giving the solution that people never knew they needed. I imagine that Ben, through his network and let's say current Waypoint customers and those that at least know of him that maybe haven't taken the leap yet, whatever, I imagine that warms people up quite a bit. You don't have a probably a huge need, especially early here, to to jump in with cold calls and things because these people have been warmed up and they're uh, ready for stuff like this. Yeah, and, and we had a waiting list when Ben first started talking about it. So we host webinars monthly. We just had our first one this past month. And we go and explain this solution. So, and depending on the state, it also depends on the plan, of course. So, if you are in the corporate practice of medicine states, that does decrease it a little bit in like the revenue and numbers and things like that from what we've seen versus like in Florida, where your growth profit rate is looking really nice. So, when people see that growth rate, I mean, it's, it's phenomenal. They're like, there's no way. There's no way. And so by showing them, like, this is really how we get it done and things like that, it's, um, it is kind of hard for them to initially trust because they're a little skeptical because they're so used to getting essentially screwed one way or the other that when they see this, they're like, 
there's absolutely no way. But even how we set it up, we take the lesser of the percent. We're, we're still keep letting them maintain everything. We're just making it smooth and easy for them by taking out everything that they would have to do on their own because Adam and Ben have already done it. They've already got it. We're just helping them do it now. As you guys look for slash see growth in this, will it be on a expanding from an epicenter or is it easier to pick and choose states that seem to be more friendly and so on? How do you see the growth happening? So what we're trying to do is target um, pharmacy owners and some degree physicians who have the right mindset. Um, you know, they're entrepreneurial. They, they see a need in their community that they want to attack. And so we're willing to go wherever when we find those kind of pharmacy owners. And so, you know, what we're working on one outside of Charlotte, North Carolina, it's a community I would have never chosen because I've never heard of it. But the pharmacy owner there, Billy, is really wants to serve his community, really has a passion for independent pharmacy, uh, staying viable in the era we live in. And, you know, I'll fight with that guy all day long. So we're really looking for those kind of folks. And when we find them, we can we can plug it in. Are you able to do a lot of this communicating online video chat and so on or i you know i'm still a face-to-face guy um and i really though i really like to be there and see it and get to know people um so that when we run into things that we can you know fight together as opposed to i'm some random guy on video so um you know steven or myself you know we want to be there experience the pharmacy see the community help you know, give my take on where they're at. Um, so yeah, I like to travel. So, you know, Billy and I, North Carolina, have hung out a couple times and he's walked me through his instruction and uh, we did some training for some of his staff. And, you know, a family vacation in Orlando, I stopped by our uh, upcoming Orlando clinic so we could, you know, spend some time with the local pharmacist. So, you know, we want this to be a family that they're a part of and that we're just adding our expertise to the, the community that they've developed around their, their um, pharmacy. You don't necessarily have to be there at the beginning of X or at 0.5 X. You might combine something at 0.3 X because you're traveling in that part of the country or, or something like that. Uh, yeah, exactly. And then what we want to do is as we're bringing new staff on, so we want that nurse practitioner spends their first week at our model clinic um, and sits in what we call our team room where we've got, you know, half a dozen nurses, half a dozen NPs and PAs doing their thing because we want them to absorb this culture. Um, mm. Unfortunately, so much of healthcare right now is a, we serve the insurance company culture and we want to be, we serve the patients. And so breaking new people of their bad habits, I mean, frankly, sometimes is impossible. Um, they're so married to the volume world, but um, we want them to come in and say, no, no, we're nice to our patients. Uh, we, t- we serve them because you know, it's not a long-term membership. We allow patients to quit at any time. And so if we're not doing a good job taking care of them, they will leave. And so we, 
we really want to push that, um, that culture. So even as we go into North Carolina and Florida, we still want that culture to, to be paramount. You guys have Karens down there, don't you, in the South? Only in Tennessee. <laughs> yeah. I do. <laughs> All right. So I, I, your subscribers, I want to say that you might have less Karens than if you were dealing with insurances and stuff because it feels like people that do this are more on your team, it seems, versus versus against you. Do you feel that or am I missing something? No, you're exactly right. And that's what, you know, I was in a regular fee-for-service um, large pediatric practice for 10 years. I played the game. You know, I could do all my checkups in six minutes with the best of them. It's completely different. And part of it is it's new. And so it takes somebody with a little bit of whatever it is to, to dive into it. But people just so appreciate the difference in a patient-centric practice versus an insurance-centric practice that, you know, we have people that yell and quit. Um, and we have people that, you know, refuse to pay their bills just like everybody else. But we have so many, we have way more than that who come in and say, hey, I want to get the new Big, t big Tree t-shirt because I want to wear it around town. What are the emotions that, are the hardest for each of you? What's the worst feeling that you've experienced as you walk down this road? So I guess for mine is everyone's got such a good contact with Ben or Adam, especially Ben with these pharmacies, and then they don't know who I am. And I go in there and I have to, you know, they size me up immediately and I just have to make sure that it's always a good impression and try my best. You know, you can't always get everybody. And, you know, that, that can be a bit of a struggle, but I haven't been, I wouldn't say fearful of it because I know it works. Like I saw it. I saw, I went to Missouri before um, I was officially hired June 1st and I spent time there and I saw it. How are you, Adam? Uh, I'd say it's probably pissed off. When I talk to pharmacists and I realize I mean, to be honest, I'm just a doctor. So I thought the pharmacists were the problem. Okay. And then I never heard of the PBMs. And so I started playing this game. And so now all of a sudden I appreciate the pharmacists and I'm like, oh, it's these, it's these PBMs. And, and then you got the insurance companies who refuse to play ball. Right. Um, and They've got, so in our community, they've got the employers in their back pocket. So we had a big meeting with the brokers in our community to say, hey, you can insert this into your self-funded health plans. Your costs will go down. Patient satisfaction goes up. And United Healthcare invited them all the same night to a Cardinals baseball game. It's like, all right, come on, guys. Like, we have, we've got to solve this problem. Patients are suffering. Patients can't get in to get care and you're gonna you know play that game and just it makes me mad well then you also in the pharmacy side not everybody knows that because of how that model is sometimes they lose money to give people their medications so if you're in the pharmacy we're always like oh yeah we already know that already but a lot of people they'd be like what do you mean you're losing money off helping me and you'd be like no like you're $10,000 specialty med 
you know, we're actually going to lose money off of you. But that, you know, that's kind of becoming a norm, almost accepted in some of the pharmacies, kind of like we don't know, you know, it just is what it is, but it doesn't have to be. Adam is kind of a side bonus for our listeners. Let's forget about Big Tree for a second. What advice would you have for, and this is just a side bonus, what advice would you have for a pharmacist dealing with the doctor's office? Because if you thought of that all this time, is there anything they can do to help that or some other issue like that? Uh, that's a great question. So I, I mean, it's, it's shocking how little of the pharmacy world that we doctors understand. Okay. And we, Big Tree owns a pharmacy now and I employ pharmacists. So I get a little bit of it. Um, and, you know, I remember when I was, so we used to dispense our own meds using the physician dispensing model. And my staff hated it. I hated it. And I'm like, I wish I could find somebody who just liked to keep this inventory and count to 30 repetitively and help these patients understand their meds. I'm like, wait a second. That's called a pharmacist. Where there's a whole industry out there for this. And it was so when we moved to the the pharmacy model, it was a giant breath of fresh air because we were on the same team. And so I think to be honest, probably the simplest thing, Mike, is to is to foster relationships between um, the pharmacist and the physicians, you know, buy them lunch and because they're all open for lunch. I even say like, hey, Doc Smith, can I take you out for lunch? Um, and then just chat and talk about your struggles. Um, hopefully not all with Dr. Smith, you know, but, yeah. you know, how this is hard and any, you know, any way we can serve you guys better. We want to do that because we're all here to serve the patients, right? And so, you know, as opposed to the only communication I usually get from pharmacies is, hey, I've got another prior off for you to do. Especially with independent doctor's offices, there is a lot in common with independent pharmacies, a lot in common, a lot of the same struggles. And if you can maybe reach out and make that emotional connection with the doctor's office that they're going through the same things that gets you on the same side. And then I would even say on the, on a day to day basis, the independent pharmacist and independent doctor probably have more in common than the academic doctor and the academic pharmacist, because, you know, you're worried about making payroll. I'm worried about making payroll. You're trying to hire good people. I'm trying to hire good people. You're trying to figure out how to keep your employees happy without breaking the bank. So am I. So those kind of things, um, you know, should allow for a nice bridge to create a relationship that can really be for the patient's benefit. Because there's a lot of times I'm like, I need a solution for X. And a pharmacist knows the solution, but I don't know any pharmacists. So I don't know who to ask, you know, or the pharmacist says, I wish, why is, why is nobody in our community prescribing Monjero for weight loss? Well, you could go ask your doctor friend, maybe a good reason. It may just be that nobody's heard of it. And so, you know, the team dynamics should be far superior for the patients. Steven, you mentioned that 
it might be hard to go in and say, well, now you're helping Ben and stuff out. I think what I would do is I think I would say, listen, Ben signs my paycheck because there's a lot of times where people say they're with somebody and they're not like we had some people come in the store and say they're with Amazon. And it's like, I know you're not with Amazon. You're probably linked up somehow with one of those percentage things or something like that. But I think if you went right in there and said, Ben signs my paycheck, then they know you're really connected. And maybe you already do that. So some of our reach out, it is Ben uh, that's made the connection or they've reached out to Ben and he forwards me the email and says, Hey, Steven's got you. Um, talk with him. He's our main guy here. And then I go on and, you know, try and see what I can do. Now, one thing that's pretty interesting, it, each, the pharmacists and pharmacists in different states, they, I mean, they honestly have different personalities too. I had a uh, sales person on for a company a half dozen shows ago. And I told him, I said, People must like you because I think he was a Tennessean. I said, you probably do well with your Southern friendly charm. And he said, Mike, you might be thinking that because you're from the Midwest. But he says, you go out to New York and those guys, like, if you say a couple words too many, they're like, hurry up. What do you want? You know, that's just a different pace thing. Yeah. So it's it's those people skills that you have to learn on the fly and use them to kind of get your point across. So some people face-to-face, you will, I, I think face-to-face is the most important conversation you can have. You can't beat it. You know, it's more personable. You can actually be there. You can feel the person's aura and things like that versus over a screen. It's, it's, it's hard. You can't just, you can look people in the eye, but it's not the same. You know, you can shake that hand I mean, how do you virtually shake a hand? Adam, if I ask you what your goal is, you're going to say it's helping patients and pharmacy and that kind of stuff. Take that off the table. We know that. What would be cool for you in like five years? So I'm a doctor, so I I do like seeing patients. And um, I, you know, I have a pretty full practice right now and Hmm. I want to, keep that going. But, you know, a lot of, a lot of me is, is driven by this pissed off at healthcare, um, idea. And that sounds whatever, but it's, it's really broken. And, you know, certain parts of the country, you know, Missouri, for example, um, 111 of the 114 counties are primary care shortage areas. And that has big implications. Like the death rate in Missouri is going up. So I'm, I mean, I'm really passionate about this. I'm not a very good manager though, Mike. Um, and so I tend to have big ideas and then lean on somebody like Steven to to get them into play. Mm-hmm. So I'm not very good at managing. The beach is kind of boring. Um, I like to have a fight on my hands and that's that's what we're doing. There's a book out. It's called How Not to Give a F, you know, the, the cuss word F. And this guy's premise is, he said, humans love to solve problems. It's nicer maybe to solve problems that maybe don't 
have as much weight on them, but you always want to solve problems. So, you know, someday I want my problems to be less of an employee and maybe like, do I want to make apple pie or blueberry pie today? And then go to the store and, you know, push the apples and check out the blueberries and things like that. I want that kind of problem. But as humans, we all want to solve problems still. And it's true. And I, I have this addiction to tackling big problems. Um, and so, you know, my wife would tell you I'm one big idea after another kind of guy. But, you know, it it really um, charges me to see people who have been suffering and them getting care again. And, you know, that's that makes up for a lot of hours of travel and a lot of um, soccer games that you can miss or what have you. Um, and I, my wife works for Big Tree as well. So she's our operations person. Mm. And she's really uh, passionate about just helping people and um, maybe too passionate about it. I wish she'd be more passionate about hanging out with me, maybe. <laughs> uh, but she is just all in. And so it's, it's really, it's created this culture where we're tackling big problems. And that probably means I'll die of a heart attack quicker than the guy who doesn't give enough. But um, that's right. The structure of the business. So the big tree is the medical side and then the big tree consulting. I imagine that's off more with this growth side. Are there any other business divisions that you guys have or picture having? Or do those two divisions pretty much take care of where you need to go? Yeah, so um, Big Tree Medical is kind of the mothership, um, and that owns and operates clinics. Um, then we have Big Tree Medical Group, which is the legal entity uh, when we do work with insurance companies, which we try to avoid, but we have some memberships that allow people to do that. So they hold the insurance contracts, um, which is necessary legally. Then we actually own an insurance agency um, that helps employers design um, lower cost, higher quality, higher higher touch um, health insurance and health insurance like um, solutions for businesses. And then we have a um, Big Tree Consulting, which is uh, the entity that uh, Ben and I own 50-50 to try and... um, push this concept into the uh, independent pharmacy world. Let's say you just had one physician's office and you said, hey, I want to start doing more direct care. Is there a benefit of splitting that between the direct care business or LLC and the one that works with insurance companies? Like they can't demand you do something on the direct care, you're like, hey, that's a different company. Yeah, no, it's worse than that, of course, because it's insurance companies. So they actually write their contracts that you cannot be providing direct primary care because they don't want this model catching on because it's better for patients and worse for them. So we have to hold those contracts in a um, separate LLC um, to kind of get around that. It seems like a lot of pharmacies could do that. There was a pharmacy I talked to, and they separated their 
delivery into a separate LLC. It was all their drivers and cars, but they split it into an LLC for uh, liability reasons and so on. And it kind of makes me wonder why more pharmacies don't split their businesses for like, let's say the cash side of things. It seems like we pharmacies could split more of an LLC for that and then have another pharmacy for the insurance side. I'm sure the, I'm sure the PBMs have something in their contract to I'm, negate I'm 100% that. I'm hundred percent sure that they've got yeah, something in their contract. Like you can't be on the same property and do this or that or something like that. Yeah. Stephen, relatively early in your career, you're off into an entrepreneurial setup. Emotionally, how did you end up already in a business like this versus going a traditional pharmacy route, let's say? Mine came actually from an injury. Um, I messed up both my wrists. I tore them. So I had surgery on my right wrist and the surgery went fine. Uh, but I ended up when the pin removal happened, caught an infection in my hand, and that pretty much sealed the deal. And I'm right-handed, so I have bad wrists. And if I were to sit there and twist bottles every day, which I, I would do for a month on rotations at different places, it, you know, it, it hurts. I, I have, I'm 26 years old and got arthritis in my hands. So it kind of led me to look for other options. So you kind of look into the research side of things, but mine was more out of trying to find my own solutions and still follow this path that I was on because everything happens for a reason, right? But, you know, we create our own luck. You got to go out there and talk and find things, which is how I ended up finding Ben. I was watching TikTok. I saw yesterday somebody was on there and they said, one of the best ways to approach life is by saying, I don't know. I don't know what the best for me even is because I go through life sometimes with anxiety. And I think a lot of that is because I think I know the best road for me like a year or two down the road. But what the hell do I know? I mean, I don't know where the best spot for me is. Well, exactly. And, you know, I had the options to stop school and, and I, I chose not to. So I went through a good portion of our didactic courses having to write with my left hand. Wow. Which is atrocious, by the way. Um, so I honestly sometimes couldn't even reread my notes, huh. but it's just one of those things, you, you know, you, I never didn't think I couldn't do it. So having, having a good, strong belief that you can achieve will go a long way. I love what you guys are doing. It's the whole thought of that. We as pharmacists have to get more broad in our thinking and having a show like this is neat because I think it gets the listeners thinking along the lines of expanding and a new vision. So thank you. Keep doing what you're doing. Yeah, we, we appreciate um, letting your audience um, hear what we're doing. Um, and I, again, as the token doctor, I apologize for all the rude comments that we make to the far, the, at least the independent pharmacists. Um, and cause now that I have an understanding of what you guys are going through, it's, it's really rough. It's, it is, 
considerably more rough than the independent doctor world. Um, so be nice to us because um, we're just ignorant of the of the plight that you guys are in. Well, that's a, a nice gesture on your part, Adam. I think that we all have to realize that we're on the same side. A couple years ago, I had a customer that was just pissed off about something. And my pharmacist, who is no longer with us, would sometimes get a little bit combative. And the problem was they were facing each other. So I hearken back to some of my marketing books and stuff I read. And it said, physically go on the same side as the patient and look out symbolically in the same direction. So I thought, okay, I'm going to go out there and stand next to her. And so I was about a foot away from her. And I said, Mrs. Smith, you know, boy, I'm, I'm sorry. And this and that. And she looked at me and she had smoke coming out of her ears. And she said, I'm going to give you five seconds to get away from me. So I appreciate, Adam, that we're on the same side looking out as a doctors. We truly are. We are. And we've got uh, a big, hairy thing to fight in the insurance uh, PBM world. And there's no reason for us to, to fight amongst ourselves. And so hopefully things like Big Tree and other entities um, can really provide a solution for communities and for pharmacists um, and for burned out clinicians, too. Then he talks about the pharmacy of tomorrow. So another thing on top of this with Adam is on top of we get this one solution is we can build other solutions on top of that. So we're, we're constantly going to be looking for other solutions. We just need to get this one going and then the next one will come. That's what Ben does. That's what he does best is coming up with his ideas and then having us, if we just get together and figure it out and find that solution. If pharmacy keeps going the way it goes, they're going to get priced out and the independents aren't going to be able to keep up. So coming up with these solutions is really beneficial. So the Waypoint company and Adam are constantly going to still be looking for more ideas because we also kind of find it fun. It's exciting. Stephen and Adam, such a pleasure. Thanks for joining us. And I look forward to keeping in touch with you guys. Thanks a bunch, Mike. Yeah, always. Thank you. All right. Thanks, guys. You've been listening to the Business of Pharmacy podcast with me, your host, Mike Kelzer. Please subscribe for all future episodes.